Uh, Lord, we love you. We thank you, God, for another day of life, and uh, we thank you, God, for being an amazing God. Uh, we pray, God, that you would be with all that goes on today. Uh, Lord, I pray that being Sunday, uh, being you know the first day of the week, and, and God, I pray that you would help us, Lord, to clear our minds and hearts. Uh, I pray, God, that as we study and uh, start looking at a new chapter in Ephesians, uh, Lord, that you would guide us and help us. And I pray, God, that even in an area where one may feel that it maybe may not um, apply to them, I pray that your spirit would make connections that's needed to their life and the way they live. Uh, help me, Lord, to be an effective teacher this morning. And I pray this in your name. Amen. So this morning, this morning, as kind of a review, if you remember probably right around Thanksgiving, we were looking at the end of Ephesians 5. My thought is that it's probably going to take us probably about a quarter of the year to finish the book of Ephesians and then transition into something else still yet to be determined, uh, still thinking and praying and reflecting on that. But currently we're looking at closing out the book of Ephesians in the next few weeks, and we go back to a section, Ephesians 5.21. I encourage you, morning Smiths, I encourage you to to kind of ignore chapter headings and to take a step back and to think of it organized into a different um, to think to not to not consider the next sections in terms of the chapter break, but in Ephesians five twenty one we read what I would uh, what I recommended to you as more of a thesis sentence a topic sentence for the next several sections, and we read submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ, and and in this concept we looked at how this takes place in the home between husbands and wives. Uh, there also today we're going to start looking at how that applies in the home with children and parents. And then eventually we're going to look at in the workplace. It talks about masters and servants, but I think that there's some, definitely some ways that we could look at how we can um, do that in the workplace. So how would we define submitting? Yielding is a good answer. Okay. Ooh, I've got green marker this morning. What else? Surrender. Okay, needs of others. Ooh, that's part of our introduction this morning. She didn't know that. So. I didn't share my slides with her. I didn't, I didn't. All right. So, as a review, a review sentence, we need to remind ourselves that the idea of submission is not a concept of value or importance. When we think of the idea of submitting, naturally, uh, we struggle with the concept of, of feeling that we might be um, subordinate. subordinate to someone else, uh, especially if we feel like they are inferior to us, if we can be honest with you. And we think about value, importance. You know, we go back to the idea of husbands and wives in the home, and uh, it has nothing to do. We, we actually talked about that a couple weeks ago. You can go back and listen to the recording. It has nothing to do with value. It has nothing to do with importance. What Lawrence Richards describes this, it is a willingness to be responsive and to yield to the needs of others. And the word responsive stands out. It's not just that I'm aware that there is a need. I am responsive, knowing that there's something that I can do for someone else, particularly putting their needs above my own. And so that's what we talked in about to that. And this goes back to which command? Okay, loving your neighbor as yourself. We have no problem loving ourselves. Absolutely no problem loving ourselves. And the challenge we have here is that I'm commanded to then love someone else in that way. Philippians 2 was a text that we looked at. 
And notice how definitive this is. Do nothing. Not some things. Not occasionally it's okay. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit. And then we have the opposite of that, but in humility. So if we have humility on this side, we have selfish conceit on this side, what would be another word that we could use instead of selfish? If we have humility, we have pride. Again, she didn't see my slides, okay? But that is the answer. Almost like y'all are stink. I know, almost. <laughs> this whole thing about one flesh, we'll actually be 19 years this year, 19 years this year. And so, I know, just a puppy for some of you guys, I know. Um, but it says, everyone should look not to his own interest, but rather to the interests of others. And we had in the CSB, which I thought was a great um, some, a translation of this, adopt the same attitude of Christ. We realize that this is not something that is um, abstract. We find that this is very clearly seen in the life of Christ, that he modeled this, that he put the needs of others above his own. That for the joy that was set before him, how that he endured the cross. Now, I read a book. It's a, it's a small book. It's not a big book. A lot of um, Andrews Murray's books like this are very, very small and I picked this book up over Christmas break. Uh, as soon as I saw the book and I realized this is kind of what we're uh, – a supporting idea of what we're talking about in these lessons, I felt that this was something that I wanted to read through. And I want to give you just some highlights this morning that I had read uh, in Andrew Murray's book on humility. He said, Men's chief care, his highest virtue, and his only happiness now and through all eternity is to present himself as an empty vessel in which God can dwell and manifest his power and goodness. And think about this morning, am I an empty vessel? Am I an empty vessel that God can use? Is, and he mentions in here that humility is the root of every virtue. Likewise, if humility is the root of every virtue, what is the root of every vice? Pride. 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 And when I'm, when I'm thinking about the idea of humility and pride, um, again, it's a short book. I would encourage you, um, and if you want to borrow it, I could lend it out to you. But thinking about the idea of how pride is rooted in every sin, every sin, because ultimately is it's, it's what I want, it's what I need from my perspective, and that's the opposite of what we're called to be. And he says, uh, he says in here that our, important, um, or that our, our importance here is that we are an empty vessel before the Lord. And in thinking about what we're studying here, how can I be an empty vessel in my marriage? How can I die to self to put the needs of my spouse above, above my own? How can I be an empty vessel in regards to my parenting? How can I be an empty vessel in terms of with my children, pouring out myself? Which again is exactly what Christ did. He poured himself out. The kenosis, he poured himself out for us. He goes on to say, humility is the root of every virtue. And he actually calls it the mother virtue. That from humility comes every other virtue. Just as we see pride and every vice comes from pride. Because it's about what I want. You think about Satan, uh, that's how he started. He said, I will be like the most high. I will ascend. That was the first sin. We go to the garden, that's Adam and Eve because, she, because they wanted to be like God. And we think about the idea of pride being the, the vice for every sin. Likewise, humility is the mother virtue. Think about how it plays a part in my life. It says, this creates a fundamental disconnect in all of our relationships as we seek to promote ourselves above others. If you think about conflict, when you think about issues, pride, we struggle most of all because we want what we want. He goes on to say, that it must be marked by an all-pervading humility. And a quote that was at the end of a book, he said, Pride must die in you or nothing of heaven can live in you. If we truly want Christ to rule and reign in us, we have to be willing to go before God each and every day. Show me what my heart doesn't want to see. Show me what my, the sinful bit of my heart doesn't want to recognize. 
Uh, if we want anything of heaven to live in us, pride must not exist inside of us. So now we get into Ephesians 6 because this is talking about pride, talking about humility, um, humility being that mother virtue. It, has, it plays out in our marriages. It also plays out with kids. And again, I would encourage you if you say, well, this really, ha-, you know, we don't have kids or our kids are grown and gone. I want you to think about it even bigger than that. I believe that there's a direct correlation there, but there's also other correlations. Okay, parents, grandparents, if you work in or around children, at the very least, we are part of a gospel community that's supposed to be sharpening each other. At the very least. Okay. Here we have the command of children and the command of parents. The command of children, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. If I had a penny for every time my parents quoted that verse to me. Over. Uh, honor your father and your mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. And we're not going to get into it today, but notice then that there's a command to parents. Just like there's supposed to be a submission of the child, there's also supposed to be a submission of the parents. And the submission of the parent then is to not do anything that provokes your children to wrath, but to bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. There are books upon books upon books written on these passages. Books upon books upon books. And so as I was looking at this section, I was trying to think of just questions, questions to ask myself as I went through uh, these very familiar verses. One is where do we first see this command? Second is how do we distinguish obey and honor? Third, why is it important that children learn to obey? And those are the three things that we're going to look at this morning, the first three things. Some other things to ask ourselves, what's our responsibility as parents and grandparents? What should be our focus when we're trying to teach our children to obey? In what areas should we be modeling obedience? That's very easy for us to overlook. We get so focused on our, our children obeying that we overlook the importance that we're supposed to be modeling it. And then ultimately, as we remember, folks, that every human relationship gives us a divine insight into something about God. All right, and that'll be a connection that we make on the back end. So where do we first see this command? Ten Commandments. Ten Commandments. We think about the idea that we have um, Israel was in Egypt for 400 plus years. And because of that, they had been enveloped in a secular worldview. And God gave them 10 basic commandments that, I, that he wanted them to abide by. And here we have in Exodus 20, he is commanding here and saying, Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving to you. When, what two categories can we put the Ten Commandments in? Love God and love others. We have a vertical relationship. Great. Uh, so we have the vertical part of, of loving God. Because if I love God, I'm not going to serve another one. If I love God, I'm not going to make something that distracts my worship from God. If I love God, I'm going to remember to keep the Sabbath day holy so I can worship God in his proper place. All of those things. If that vertical relationship is right, my horizontal relationship with my neighbor, if I love my neighbor as myself, I'm not going to take something that belongs to him. If I love my neighbor as myself, I'm not going to take someone's life. Uh, if I love my neighbor, I'm not going to covet. I'm not going to steal all those things. If we take the idea of loving God and loving people in two separate categories, the very first commandment to love it on the God side is that we're not supposed to have any other gods before him. Almost kind of like that's really important, right? Okay. Do you know what the first commandment is when he's directing to our horizontal relationship? Honor your parents. Honor your parents. I think it's interesting that if the order of importance is important, this is the very first one where he's commanding towards our horizontal relationship with people. Again, almost kind of like it's very important. This is not the only time that it's quoted. In Leviticus 19.3, Every one of you shall revere his mother and his father, and also you will keep my Sabbaths. I am the Lord your God. The idea of honor in Hebrew refers to valuing your parents. Towards honoring. Christ 
cites this commandment five times in the Gospels. Five times. Almost as if it's quite important. So let's talk a little bit about that. Let's talk about the disobedient child in Deuteronomy. If you've never heard this, this might take you a little bit by surprise. Deuteronomy 21, 18 through 21. If a man has a stubborn and rebellious son who will not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother. And notice that this is not because they're not disciplining him. It says, and even if they discipline him, even though they discipline him, they have done everything they could do and the child will not listen to them. Then his father and his mother shall take hold of him physically and bring him out to the elders of the city at the gate of the place where he lives. And they will say to the elders, this is our son. He is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey our voice. He is a glutton and a drunkard. Okay, it's in Deuteronomy 21. Now notice what the elders do. They don't give him a spanking. They don't lock him up. They don't slap him with a fine. I want you to notice this is a parent who by text, by strictest definition, they have done everything they could do with their child. They drag him literally to the elders of the city and they say, this is a rebellious child. Then all the men of the city shall stone him to death. Holy moly. Can you imagine how much this was like used in like homes? If you don't listen to me, I'm going to drag you to the elders. <laughs> Seriously. They will drag him to the men of the city shall stone him to death with stones and the outcome. So you shall purge the evil. Notice that's what it's described as dishonoring your parents is considered evil from your midst. And all Israel shall hear and fear. By golly, I bet they will fear. By golly, I bet they will. Unless, unless, someone, unless someone thinks this is like an isolated text, although all scripture is given by God, Jesus quotes this. In Matthew 15, 4, whoever reviles, whoever even speaks evil of his father and mother shall surely die. Talk about the law. We weren't messing around. Why would the law take this so seriously? I mean, he just mouthed off. I mean, he's just doing his own thing. Why was the law so strict on this? Mm, you're getting ahead of me, Charlotte. That's a good one. That's where discipline starts. That's where learning how to obey starts mm-hmm. with the child, with their parents. If you can't obey your parents, then you're never going to obey authorities. You're likewise getting ahead of me, yes. All of these. The, the horizontal is inseparable to the vertical. Very good. You can't live in right standing in the micro picture yes. of the vertical as a child, then you'll never live in right standing. With yes. The actual vertical I had written down, and I think all these are true. I don't really think there's even one answer in isolation because all these I think are equally good, probably better than mine. Lest the child bring shame to the parents and ultimately to Israel and ultimately God. You realize that God is very concerned about the honor of his name. <laughs> very concerned. And we'll come back to a lot of these other ones uh, here in just a few minutes. I want you to compare these two verses. Proverbs 23, 22. Listen to your father who gave you life. Know that old quote, I brought you in this world. I can't can take you out. Okay. Listen to your father who gave you life and do not despise your mother when she is old. Then we have Proverbs 30, 17. 
My dad will quote this verse. I saw on occasion uh, scare the life out of us. The eye that mocks his father and scorns to obey his mother will be picked out by the ravens of the valley and eaten by vultures. <laughs> you know, back off to mom. You know, if that verse is quoting. Next thing you know, like a bird flies over and you're like, you know, you know, you kind of live in a little bit of uh, anxiety there. Okay, but we realize, we realize, guys, God takes obedience of children extremely seriously for a variety of reasons. So, so can we say that God views this as an important thing? Seriously so. And notice not only did he say that, that there is a curse with this, but then the ones who do it, there is a, there's a blessing. By the way, it's the first commandment with a promise. The other ones don't have a promise. That one does. And I have some things here. Why do we, why do we, I'm sorry, how do we distinguish obey and honor? How do we distinguish between the two? Because interestingly, the Old Testament only says honor, but then in the New Testament, we find obey and honor as distinguished. I think, I think honor speaks to the attitude because mm-hmm. you can obey and you can act in the way you are told, but your heart can still be wrong in doing that. Mm-hmm. And then also there are cases where you cannot obey because you are being told to do something that would be against God's word, but you can still have an attitude and a respect that honors in those situations. I've always heard this separated. Like, it's children obey your parents in the Lord, and that's honor to your parents because you're obedient. But then the command to honor is for all people, not just children. So the honor for a child is obedience, but the honor carries through the rest of your life to... You're not absolved of that responsibility when you turn 18, or that command... And that can be ours sometimes. Honor is doing things without being told. Hmm. You're doing things that you're not been dictated that you don't have to do. So, I mean, almost to the point that I, I didn't get that right, but almost to the point that the attitude is one's disposition that then affects what they do in a multitude of ways. Um, in the Greek, obey implies really listening with the readiness to execute what is requested or ordered. And then um, honor in, in the Greek is to ascribe worth to someone to prize a proper attitude with behavior. So not just the outward actions, but also the inward man, uh, that they, they do it with respect and value. Um, a verse my dad quoted so many times, you all things without grumbling or disputing. Tell you, there are verses that were quoted in my house quite often, and this was a verse that was quoted many, many, many times. Do all things without grumbling and disputing. When we get to some questions here, and you guys already answered many of these, so I'm just going to run into these. Why is it important that children learn to obey? One, it establishes a mindset that transfers to others, other authorities. I work with children all the time, and I'll have a child in my office, you know, that's just, you know, blatantly refusing to do something. And normally it's something petty, you know. And, uh, I believe it's important that young people understand that obedience is really a disposition that affects every area of their life. It's not something that is restricted to just being a child. And sometimes, especially as a child grows, they almost think that I'm not a child. I don't have to obey. It has nothing to do with childhood because it is, okay, let's apply that to work. The manager has to tell you three times to do something. I I can just hire somebody else. Okay, I've told you to do this. 
I've given you correction. I've told you how I want it done. You won't do it. Well, you need to go find another job. Uh, we can apply this to speed limits. I'm just going to do what I want to do. Okay, and you'll probably get tickets and you'll probably pay higher insurance premiums for that very reason. Um, taxes. Well, I'm going to be my own person. I'm going to have my own business. Okay, well, you still have to follow regulations. I mean, you still have to pull permits for electrical. You can't just like go in. Well, you kind of could, but you're not supposed to. Um, you know, he doesn't. But, but, but think about it. Someone's like, well, I'll go to business for myself. Well, you, you have taxes. You still have to follow laws and requirements. You can't just go through life saying, I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to go join the army. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, you don't, don't, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. Um, I'm tired so, of these rules. Yeah. So the idea is it is not something that's restricted to just a childhood age of life. And it's not and this is where someone has to humble themselves and realize it's not just my mom and dad. One of the days is gonna be a boss. One of these days is gonna be fill in the blank. Because every one of us it is a disposition, a lifestyle of submission to something somewhere. Um, we also find to keep them from destruction. I was reading this morning in my devotions in Second Peter chapter two. And I read verses 9 and 10. Then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to keep the unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment. And notice what he says. He's, re- he's referring to judgment. He's referring to destruction. And he says, And especially to those who indulge in the lust of defiling passion and those who despise authority. According to Ezekiel 22.7, this was one of the reasons why God sent Israel into exile. Father and mother are treated with contempt among you. We think, obviously, you know, they didn't listen to God. They rejected God. They didn't listen to the prophets. Ezekiel said one of the reasons why God destroyed your nation was because your children wouldn't revere their parents. To guide them in life and decisions. Proverbs is filled with things about children and obedience. Proverbs 6, verses 20 through 22. My son, keep your father's commandment. And forsake not your mother's teaching. And there's no age limit on this, by the way. Um, Bind them on your heart always. Keep them close to you. Tie them around your neck. Notice, when you walk, they'll lead you. When you lie down, they will watch over you. And when you awake, they will talk with you. You know, our prayer, we know, we realize that the days of our kids living at home are limited. And our heart, our prayer, our desire is that even if it seems like those seeds are just dying in the wind, they're just dying in the scorched desert, uh, our prayer and our desire as we plant those seeds is that as they get older and they realize they don't know everything they really think they know, okay? And all of a sudden that those instructions will come back to them. The idea of teach, uh, instruct your child in the way they should go and um, okay, he will not depart from it. And really what might be a better way to translate that is that the way will not depart from him. Because we realize that children do depart from the way, but we continue to plant those seeds in their heart. And our prayer and our desire is that what we, we point them towards the gospel, we point them towards Christ, and that it will continue to lead them even when they have left our home. Uh, also, to bring honor and blessing. And again, we've said that this is the first commandment with promise. Uh, what's, what's interesting, uh, in Wednesday night study group, I sit beside Quinn uh, Darty and, um, and Wednesday night study group, his entire, um, his entire bachelor's degree is in Arabic. And he's done a lot of studying abroad. And there's been a lot of times where in class he'll bring out some really unique angle that really none of us really considered. And as I was sitting beside him, um, he mentioned this Wednesday because uh, in Isaiah it talks a lot about shame. Okay? In our culture, we don't really grasp that because we're not really – we think about rights and privileges. Okay? And, and in that study group he said that, that um, 
someone noted something very unique about Middle Eastern cultures. Because family and community are so highly valued, personal relationships and reputation, social status are the primary motivators for people. Mm -hmm. So if one does these things, they will bring honor to their family. That's a big deal. And then if they don't, they shame. And when we think about that lens in the Old Testament and we read about shame and honor, okay, it would have spoken much more volume to them than it does to us. And there's no neutral. It's one or the other. There's only one or the other. And primarily, I think it's um, gospel, gospel, Global Frontier Missions. It, it talks specifically about how, how it, with those when speaking with, witnessing in Muslim countries, how missionaries, they have to present the gospel in this way, yeah. not in the, in the Western culture way of how we grab it. And so that being said, we want our children to be blessed. Um, and so we, you know, Proverbs 3, 1 and 2, my son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. And we'll talk more about that next week. For length of days and years and long life and peace, prosperity, they will add to you. And, you know, our heart behind parenting is not that we create robots. It's, you know, I want you to be blessed. And I want you, there are creation norms, there are life norms that if you're stupid, you're going, there's going to affect you in life. And our prayer and our desire for our children is that they, they listen, they learn, they grow because we want their life to be one that is blessed, whether it even is just in the here and now, but especially uh, in eternity. And let's stop. This was already mentioned, but if our reasons to reinforce obedience are restricted to these, we are being very superficial in our approach. Why do we want our children to obey? Well, because we want society to, to function well. We want them to obey the police. We want them to obey uh, the, the law. We want them to not speed. We want them to have a good job. We, yes to all those things. But if that is the sole reason why we approach it, we are very superficial in our approach. And I think Charlotte was the one that mentioned that, maybe her and one other. The ultimate reason for teaching children to obey is what? We want them to obey God. Because one day when these kids leave the home, I mean, quite honestly, they don't have to obey us. They don't have to. But at the same time, when God's Spirit pricks their heart about doing something, our heart's prayer, our heart's desire is that when they're told by God to do something, that they, they do it. Fully functioning followers of Christ. Focus on the Family has a really good article on this. And in that article, it says, The way we respect our parents says a lot about how we, re- how we show respect to God. Realize that as by proxy, we are standing as a God-ordained authority in the lives of our kids. And if a child says, I refuse, and we're not really talking about the outliers necessarily of of a parent that's just living like totally pagan against God's word. We're talking about just we're trying in our brokenness to just point our children to Christ. If the child rebels against the parent, really ultimately what they're doing is they're rebelling against God himself. And our, our heart, our desire as parents should not be that inward focus of me because, you know, I want for my convenience what I want out of my kids. It's one day I'm not going to be part of the equation. And our prayer, our desire is that we keep pointing them towards the Lord over and over and over again. Because ultimately, the respect and obedience they show to the authority now will also be the respect and authority that they give towards God. And truth be told, we all have a kingdom in our heart and we all want to be king and queen. And ultimately, only Christ should be in that place. And so honoring our father and our mother teaches us how to honor our heavenly father better. And we find uh, obedience, to, uh, uh, obedience of children to their parents is a foundation stone for a stable society, as was mentioned earlier. To honor their parents signified that they loved them and had respect for them and submitted to their authority. 
to disobey this command is to dishonor God, for he is our Father. We have in Deuteronomy, this is the last slide here, Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 15 through 20. See that I have set before you life and good, death and evil. Very similar to what Joshua said, choose you this day whom you will serve. And and in the closing chapter of Moses' life, the end of Deuteronomy, the review of everything he'd already taught them, he says, I'm giving you a choice right now, talking to the children of Israel. I've set before you life and death, good and evil. I believe that the King James said blessing and cursing, I believe is is the wording. Notice it says, he's talking to adults, he's not talking to children. He says, if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you today, by the loving of by loving the Lord your God, by walking in his ways and by keeping his commandments and his statutes and his rules, then you shall live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. But if your heart turns away and you will not hear, but are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you will surely perish. You shall not live long in the land that you are going over to the Jordan to enter possess. He says, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set apart before you life and death, blessing and cursing. And Moses pleads to these adult followers of Yahweh. He says, choose life. That you and your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice and holding fast to him. For he is your life and length of days that you may dwell in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and uh, to give them. Our prayer and ultimate desire for our children is not that they follow us because we are autocratic monarchs in our home and they have to obey everything we say. Our prayer is that they choose life. When they are presented with life and death, good and evil, that they choose Christ. We're presented with salvation. They don't just acknowledge Christ as Savior, but that they submit to him as king that he rules and reigns over their hearts and lives. And again, when we think about parenting, it is undoubtedly the hardest thing I've ever done. Amen. Am doing. Am doing. But we also know that he that has called you will continue to perfect that which concerns him. And our goal as parents is to point them towards Christ constantly. Constantly. In the case of obedience... It's not a self-centered reason. It's because we want their hearts to follow Christ. Mm -hmm. Sam.